Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Long Talk here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Don't forget to like our Facebook page or if you prefer to listen, then subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify or all your favourite podcatchers. Just search for New Zealand Sports Radio. Got a real treat um, today. We're chatting with Julia Tilly, who is on her way or to qualifying for the Olympics. How are you doing, Julia? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Excited to be here. Now, uh, people will probably have heard this um, interview with, with Sam about a week ago, but um, yeah, I was just talking to Sam earlier today, and yes, I'm holding you up from, from training with Sam and doing some ball skills this, this, uh, this afternoon. Uh, it's, it's good having, having that crowd of you in Tauranga who, who are all kind of uh, pro, uh, pro volleyball players. Yeah, it's really good. We've got a good um, group of us here. Um, and obviously it's a pretty beautiful place to train down at Mount Monganoe. So being able to call on um, people to come help you out for the training is really good. Uh, and also nicking uh, Sam and Mike's uh, set-up court that's on the beach um, occasionally to, 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 to train with, that's permanently there, permanently there? Yeah, that's really awesome. It just makes a difference when you're pushed for time thinking, oh, I don't have to set up a net and dig and all that kind of stuff. And it's quite good. Um, some of the public can also take advantage of that and um, yeah, test out their skills. The, um, so, so when you're talking about digging, you're talking about yeah, for, to, for um, setting the poles either side, aren't you? You're not talking about uh, round the edges or anything like that? No, yeah, it's just um, when you have to put up a net every practice, you have to dig holes, put like the guide ropes in and kind of untangle the lines and um, yeah, it can come quite a bit um, when you'll push the time or... Um, it's bad weather and stuff like that, so really grateful to have a net already up and ready to go. Yeah, and that's part of it. Is that you guys aren't full-time um, professional. Well, you're professional athletes. Don't get me wrong, but you you can't dedicate your time fully to that. You have to have another income um, as well because the, the funding's just not there there in New Zealand, is it? No, we um, yeah have to work pretty much most of us full-time. Um, just to make sure we have income because, yeah, we don't get paid in New Zealand for just to play volleyball, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I mean, this COVID kind of thing has made you realise that it's, that's 
actually can be a positive because we've got all these other things going on in our lives as well. Um, but yeah, it would be amazing to just be able to play and focus just on the sport. So you're not originally from uh, Taronga though. Uh, where did where did you uh, where did you start play start playing volleyball? Yeah, I started in Gisborne, um, so along the coast, which wasn't a big uh, kind of volleyball um, city, but started there, and we had a good group of us through school that just loved and got addicted to playing, um, mostly through a couple of really passionate uh, teachers um, who kind of instilled that love, and then, yeah, just got hooked and kind of started to travel to Bay Plenty and other places um, to play and compete. So, so what kind of age did you did you sort of start playing volleyball? Because for for some people, uh, obviously it's a very technical sport. So some people start later in the late, later in their lives. Uh, how, how early were you? Um, I started playing indoor when I was year nine, uh, so at high school, um, and then not until about I was I think sixteen was some of the boys started training um, for indoor on the sands on the beach, and I just kind of invited myself and started going along to those dance sessions as well um which was yeah and that kind of grew that love for the beach side of things um but yeah definitely started probably some people yeah can start really early so 16 for me for beach volleyball which probably is a little bit later than some and just uh, having a quick look at you on, on, on linkedin um sportswoman of the year at your school in 2006-2007 captain of the senior volleyball netball basketball teams you were you were really into your different into not not just volleyball but into all your sports. Yeah, I was quite fortunate. I went I guess to a smaller school, so once someone kind of picked you up as being sporty, you were kind of pulled into um, um, various different sports teams and things like that. And I loved um, having that variety and being involved in yeah a bunch of different sports. Um, kept me really busy in winter and summer, um, and it wasn't probably until um, seventh form, like my last year of high school, that. I really was focusing more on the volleyball side of things when I started making New Zealand teams. But up until that point, yeah, I was playing lots of different sports, um, which is great for different skills and kind of team bonding and things like that. And the uh, and you obviously you you, know, you see make, make, you're making those junior um, teams, which meant you got to go across in 2007 to play in Poland. Uh, looks like you play in Norway and uh, and England and the junior. World Championships in Brighton um, the following year um, was, was 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 part of the draw all that travel that you got to do? Yeah, it was uh, pretty amazing um, just travelling and seeing the beaches and when you're that age any kind of trip um, or travel overseas is, is very exciting um, so yeah it was definitely a pull and something that once you see kind of your sport on an international stage um, I think kind of expands your mind into where it could go or where you could take it. I remember kind of work, work, walking into like that um, stadium for World Champs and compared to New Zealand, like I'd never seen anything like it and these athletes battling it out for every point kind of made me go, wow, that's something I want to do. So that was the kind of the wake up to uh, the, the, the kind of level that you'd need to be. Um, before that, you'd kind of been be sort of uh, enjoying it and good at it but then that was kind of the first oh wow that's what it means to be a professional player yeah definitely um and especially like some of the passion that um those players were kind of applying i remember walking into a game and 
um, I saw this girl like screaming, like so happy that she won the point, and I was like, oh wow, must be a really close game. And I kind of looked over at the scoreboard, and it was like two all. And I was like, oh wow, she's 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 like fighting for every single point. Um, so some of the kind of low takeaways of like, oh wow, oh, this person really wants it, and um, yeah, kind of how big in terms of spectators um, it is, because in New Zealand, obviously, it doesn't get as much exposure as uh, internationally. So overseas, seeing that these massive stadiums packed out for people playing beach volleyball, I was like, oh wow, it's kind of a really big sport. And do you uh, is 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 that something that you feed off the the, the 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 crowd, or is that, or are you one of these players that just gets in the zone and you don't really notice the crowd around you? What's because um, having talked to um, Olivia um, McDonald, she's she's like, yep, I love the noise, it cheers me up. But talking to uh, Francesca Kerwin, she's like, no, I I'm, I I just bottle it. I, I don't notice it when I'm playing. I'm just I'm all about the game. What? How do you? Uh, uh- I think that the crowd and knowing that it's a big performance um, kind of gets me more excited in the build-up to the game. I'm like, oh, really, like, this is going to be a show. We can put in a performance. Like, um, kind of gets me excited if we know I'll be playing on the big stage. But then in the game, um, yeah, I kind of block it out. Um, obviously, you can hear bits and pieces, or if you have a really good rally, you might be like, yeah, like, ramp up the crowd. But I think we've played in situations where you're playing in front of a home crowd and everyone's cheering for the team you're playing against and that's never really phased me like I'm fine to block it out and sometimes kind of your friends or your family would be like did you hear me yell like this and I'll be like no sorry <laughs> <laughs> I was just like me and Sean in our little bubble um so yeah I guess a bit of both um but yeah I think it's great playing in front of a crowd and feeling that love for the game so, uh, so, so you and Sean are pretty similar like that because I say uh, the Olivia and um, Francesca, who are, who are also a separate team for those that don't know, uh, not, sorry, a different team. They they're very different personalities around that. But are you and Sean are similar. Yeah, I think so. I think um, Sean was a little bit younger than me when we first started playing, and maybe I think when you're starting out, the crowd can be more daunting than like kind of using that energy. So I think probably. Um, she started out maybe finding it a little bit more daunting, but I think now we're definitely on the same page. Now, early on, even when we were talking about those Junior World Champions and stuff, you were, you were all already having to balance um, sort of studying and playing uh, off to University of Waikato. Um, Hamilton here, which is where I live, landlocked, not much beach. Um, so how do, you, how do you play beach volleyball here? Yeah, so we used to train at uh, Tarapa... Um, there's some courts at Tarapa that used to be a bowling green, so there's some sand there that we could train at. But a lot of the time, our coach, when I was living in Hamilton, was in the mount, um, so we were just doing a lot of travel. Um, when Shauna and I were both there, we were travelling to the mount every Saturday, Sunday, um, and then we'd just do a couple of sessions um, on the sand, yeah, at that Tarapa training court, and then all the other focus would kind of be on um, strength and conditioning stuff before we got over for the weekend with our coach. Now that's over 10 years ago and you're, you're talking about travelling and playing with your same uh, partner that you're playing with now um, but you guys haven't been together for the full 10 years, you, you, you had a bit of a break um, in there playing with, with uh, um, for a couple of years uh, how did that go? Sort of, because you, um, in volleyball you have to organise your own partnerships don't you? It's not organised by 
volleyball New Zealand because they just don't have the resources for that. It's up to you who you want to play with. How did that sort of all come about? Yeah, it's kind of funny, especially because um, the volleyball community is a little bit smaller. You kind of know everyone. Um, and it is kind of like a relationship that you're in with someone. You've made that commitment. Um, so it can get a little bit tricky, especially in the girls' game of like who's going to play with who and things like that. Um, I think me and Shauna, yeah, we get along really well, so it's been really easy. Um, there was a stage um, when she had finished her degree that she wanted to kind of go travel and, and see what she wanted to do and if volleyball was something that she wanted to commit everything to. Um, so she took a year um, and went to America, which was great for her, um, where she actually just ended up playing more volleyball than ever um, and <laughs> ended up coming back. But yeah, that was, so we didn't play together for two years maybe three so she went to America and then I had a different partner and she came back and had a different partner um, and now we've teamed up forces again um, which is really nice to be reunited with her um, but yeah there is a little bit of feeling what people want to do and um, scoping out we haven't got a massive pool of players so if you're a front four a blocker or a defender you've kind of only got limited options of who you who you want to play with yeah, and there's two, obviously each volleyball with two people, that they have two very distinct roles. Um, now, having seen that you've also played, you, you, you played one tournament with Olivia, who I, who I know is a blocker, I'm assuming you're, you're a defender? Yes, um, but yeah, in saying that, me and Shauna are both um, probably preferred defenders, um, but the way that we work together and kind of what we can do as a team, um, we like split roles. Um, so sometimes I'm at the net blocking and sometimes I'm defending. Um, so that's kind of one of our strengths and the fact that we've kind of got two defenders that are quite agile. Um, and yeah, just trying to make sure at the, the front with, with the block that we're trying to, we might not have as much height as some of the other players, but um, just trying to create moves and um, do what we can up there as well. So a little bit of a disagreement. I had a chat with, um, uh, with Mike Watson who said, look, uh, it's good when you have two tall people because you, you can sometimes the, it's it's harder defending. Sometimes you can you can switch around and actually if it, in deep sand it's harder defending than blocking. So you can actually switch around perhaps sometimes and get a bit of a rest. Um, when I talked to Sam O'D, he's like, no 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 no, blocking is more is is, is harder than defending. It takes up more energy. <laughs> Which way round do you think it is? Is it uh, do you find it's blocking or defending that you find it's more tiring of the two? Um, I'm actually going to agree with Sam. I think. Blocking, because um, you're always running to the net, like you have to be there. Whereas defending, I guess it is a couple of times we can kind of um, catch your breath a little bit while you're waiting for everything to play out. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I, I love cardio, so I'm like, <laughs> neither one's that tiring. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, everyone has their own arguments. And I'll be honest, yeah. Um Seeing photos of you of the two of you with, when you won the uh, the, the tournament, you say you got you. Um, anyone who thought that beach volleyball, hey, it's this beach, cool, trendy, kind of just laid back kind of sport, and then we see the the, the pictures of you guys. Uh, no, the, it's uh, it's a it's a very athletic sport. You guys have to be absolutely ripped to to, to play this play this and uh, and take it very seriously as as athletes, don't you? It's not just it's not just all the music and the fun side of things oh definitely yeah you have to be very fit to play and I think people that just watch it and we sometimes can make it look easy and then they get down on the sand and kind of try and give it a go themselves um, and they start being like man how do you guys move in that sand and 
um, yeah, you have to be very agile um, in your movement, but also very explosive and powerful. Um, so yeah, it, it is a sport that naturally people are very athletic and kind of need both power and speed to kind of um, really make an impact. Are they, and then we talked about, yeah, that you, you're working full-time off it. I see you've, um, you've, you've, you've done a bit of, uh, you, you're a teacher for a little while. You've done some sports uh, coordination and now you're um, help, uh, 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 sort of a, a schools and volunteers manager for sanitarium and the triathlon. Uh, how how easy has it been to sort of to settle into and figure out what you actually wanted to do off the court to support being able to play on the court? Yeah, decision making is not my strongest point, so um, <laughs> I kind of yo-yo back and forth. But I'm really lucky. Um, my yeah, I think for me the one thing is just flexibility. Finding something that I can do off court that offers that flexibility. Um, and my boss at the moment um, is also a volleyball player. Um, ex-volleyball player and coach um, so that's really good that we have that kind of understanding of um, working hard but then also having a little bit of flexibility to be able to do things abroad or for example I work from home which is great because it kind of means I can move my schedule around um, you know what I've got going on um, and then teaching I think like I have I know I have a love and a passion for like working with kids um, but that teaching doesn't really offer much flexibility in terms of not taking time off outside of like school holidays and things like that. But it has been really useful for me um, just to pick up the leaving and things like that. Um, so I think I'm quite lucky with my qualifications that they are quite flexible and, and things that I can do. Yeah, so when you're, when you're on tour, uh, obviously there's just the two of you, you don't have any coach or, or physios going on with you. You have to manage your own time, I guess. And part of that is saying, right, two hours in the morning is working before we go to a tournament or in the evening and blocking all that out and having to balance kind of a, a, an office space in your hotel room plus actually having to train as well or play sorry yeah um which is it's good in the fact that a lot of the time we do have a lot of downtime um like when you're not competing when you're just training or in the build up um it's just kind of making sure that you you have your workload when you're not exhausted. Like you've come home, you've done two trainings, and you're like, I really should do some work, um, which doesn't always work out. Um, but yeah, most of the time, I kind of know how much time I'm going to have, so I'll try to stack my work before I go or kind of um, give people a heads up. I might take a little longer to get back to them. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty proactive at, at making use of my time and making sure I, I get some hours in there. Yeah, it must be kind of difficult when there's you, you, you're when you're on the road. You're sharing a but you're sharing a hotel room with somebody. I'm um, assuming you don't get your own rooms. Uh, and both of you having to try to set up on the desk and, uh, and and find work time and yeah, all that juggling. Having someone that you get on with is really kind of important. It's not just how you play together on the court, is it? It's also how you get on off the court because you do spend a lot of time in each other's back pocket. Yeah, a lot of time. <laughs> um, we're pretty much with each other twenty four seven. Yeah, we're sharing a room. Um, on the odd occasion when you're trying to save money, maybe even sharing a bed um, or like um, staying at someone else's house or um, bits and pieces. So yeah, it is really important that you um, get along well and you kind of learn to know them and when they might need space or things like that. Um, but yeah, with Shauna at the moment, we kind of have spent so much time together that we're pretty good. Um, we get along really well and 
um, yeah, that's the thing, because with Beach Volleyball, there's so much time out of actually playing when you're touring and stuff, um, that that's kind of half the fun or half the equation of making a, a team work. And looking at your results, um, you're, you're 30 now, you've been playing for, for, um, well, for, for over a decade um, the, at, at this, but if I look at the string of results, you've started, it's really kind of this year when you've been putting back-to-back national tour wins together. Um, I know Mike was talking about the fact that yeah, a lot of the top players are in their kind of late 30s, maybe even early 40s uh, on the men's side. Uh, it, it's a sport that you kind of learn it that takes a while to get to, to learn and mature into. Yeah, that's one of the really good things about it is one, the, you can play for a long time because of the um, impact like playing on sand that's so good for your body because it gets rid of that impact um, and it's kind of really easy to manage injuries and things like that. Um, and then because it is such a mental game and uh, kind of it's really skill-based, it does take a while for people to kind of get the hang of it. Um, and you can see kind of um, really tall athletic people that you're going, well, you can see kind of older, short people just like um, outskill them almost. Um, so that's one positive about being an older person playing on the tour is that you can kind of draw on your experience and your mental game um, to try to get one over on your opponents. So have you thought about how long you might be uh, might, might, might be playing for? Yeah, I guess for me, um, the thing that drives a lot of my commitment is like just a love of the game. Um, like I really enjoy, especially living where I am at the moment, that the beach is right there. Um, it's so easy to go down and play. Um, I, it's really enjoyable to just play rather than like being in the gym or kind of doing cardio and stuff. Having a couple of games of beach volleyball, um, that enjoyment that I get out of it is really good. Um, but in saying that, I think a lot of my enjoyment is linked to winning. <laughs> um, <laughs> as long as when that stops happening, then it'll probably um, end pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I don't really see a reason to stop because kind of yeah I'm really loving it I had a really fun season we got really good results um and then yeah it's just kind of figuring out my timeline in, in terms of what I want to do with other things in my life but yeah at the moment I'm, I'm happy playing and keen to continue on as long as I'm learning and um increasing my skills and things like that and the and uh, one of the things we talked about with 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 uh, on the same one was how disruptive or how disrupted this Olympic um, preparation and uh, qualifying has been because you initially were supposed to, I think you were supposed to have a qualifier in Fiji that got disrupted by the measles um, so you're all preparing for that and then it didn't happen then it was hosted they got hosted in Mount Monganui instead where you did very well um, came second I think it was um, yeah. so through to phase two um, now that was supposed to happen in China probably about this sort of time but that's also been cancelled or postponed sorry now um, until later, uh, how have you found that uh, sort of, uh, I guess, preparing for an event, then it not happening, then it's happening, then it's not happening, then it's happening. How 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 has that been from a uh, yeah a psychological performance point of view? Yeah, it's been a little bit frustrating, um, especially when you're building everything up and then it's like, oh no, yes, no. Um, but I guess I think a key kind of attitude is that we are quite good at going with the flow um, and just kind of. Yeah, getting on with it. Um, so I think we're in a better situation than some of those bigger countries 
Um, and it kind of, to me, I kind of like the fact that it, it almost might level the playing field a little bit, is that everyone in the world at the moment is in the same boat. You cannot train full time. You might not be able to get near a court or a beach. Um, so it's mean that people are having to be, um, use their imagination with their training, but it also might mean that some of those powerhouse countries um, who are usually competing all year round aren't going to be able to. So maybe when we meet, meet back up, uh, we might have more of an advantage because we're used to kind of using our time and not being able to train full time. And also talking about those powerhouse countries, a lot of their setups are around a sort of four-year cycle heading towards Olympics, etc. Um, looking at yourself, you, 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 you and um, you, got, you got back together with your current partner at the beginning of last year, so like two years or yeah, two years out or a year and a half out from from the from the Olympics. Um, do you have a four-year plan or is it a year-by-year plan? How, how, how do you how do you like how do you structure stru- Sorry, how do you structure your, your kind of, your planning? Yeah, I guess it's probably for us more like two-year plans rather than four-year plans um, just because of the financial support and kind of what we're able to do. Um, we kind of more want to fold up and then just really go for it in the shorter space of time because we don't have that luxury of spending a whole four years kind of figuring it out. Um so yeah, I think most of I mean, you always have a bigger plan somewhere in there, but I think, um, yeah, if you know there's something big, for example, Commonwealth Games or something like that, two years out, you kind of want to make some more sacrifices than what you already are in terms of, hey, we're going to take, we're going to be away for six whole months or something like that, um, as opposed to trying to drag it out over four years where some people, players in New Zealand might not be able to fully commit to that. So, one of the things is that the, that now you're going to have the Olympics sort of in the sort of what's it July next year, I think it is, um, and then the following year you'll have the Commonwealth Games. So that's a two-year piece. Um, so does that make does that mean you'll be able, you're are you starting to think okay, look, there's two big championships in two years. Uh, now's a really good chance for us to to, to to go big for those two. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a, a real advantage for us. Um, with that Commonwealth year being, yeah, the year after an Olympic year, it means you can kind of have that build up to the Olympic qualifiers like we've already started, but that can just roll on to the, the next kind of tournament. So I think that that worked out for us actually really well. Um, and in terms of like potentially getting funding or any sponsor support or things like that, you can kind of picture it like um, you're going for two goals rather than kind of one. So how much uh, of uh, Sports New Zealand, or the government came out and said, look, the, the, the Sports New Zealand funding would stay the same for an extra year. Uh, they wouldn't reevaluate it like they do every four years. So does that mean, uh, do you get much funding from there or is, is it all self-funding that you have to, that you have to gather? Yeah, un- unfortunately not. Um, you're kind of trying to lift the profile and, and help us out a bit. Um, but yeah, where the athletes aren't really seeing any of that funding yet. Um, so yeah, and like for the past 10 years, it's literally been self-funded and then um, the support of um, local sponsors um, and then kind of commu- uh, prize money and then, yeah, just kind of like people in the community, mum and dad. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big commitment um, and it's definitely something you kind of have to do because you have that love and that passion or else it doesn't really work. 
um, financially. Um, but when you're kind of yeah getting that joy out of it, you can kind of see more reason for putting um, some money and investment kind of into it. So, do you want to give a shout out to any or um, any, any of the sponsors that you have at the moment, or that you've or that they've been sponsoring you for for um, recently? Yeah, yeah, we have um, an environmental company in the Mount of Tauranga called Inspire, who have kind of been on the journey with me and Shauna for eight, at least eight years. Um, and we had like the Casey Clinic, um, who helped me and my partner financially, and just a lot of it as well was just that support um, might not necessarily be financial, but those people in your corner that are there for like advice, like our, our coach, Mike Dudson. Um, who just coaches us with, for nothing <laughs> um, but for his own passion. Um, so, and then like parents and friends and family, having people in your corner that kind of following your journey, saying congratulations, people following you online and things like that, um, that really helps when you're overseas as well, um, just to know that people um, are behind you and kind of backing you. Talking about following online, you have a Facebook page, um, Julia Tilly, a New Zealand Beach Volleyball player, folks, if you, if you want to want, want to follow. Ten thousand people following you. That's a that's a uh, that's a pretty decent um, uh, pretty decent page you've built up there. Yeah, I think probably seventy five percent of them are random, probably Asian males, obviously, <laughs> um, who followed along as we've been touring around. Um, but yeah, it's great, um, and a lot of locals like people from Brisbane um, that know my family and things like that. I think it's really good. Um, yeah platform to kind of keep people up to date and there'll kind of be people that you'll see and they'll be like, oh, I saw you did this and that. But it is cool to use that um, social media to kind of keep people up to date who are interested in, in your journey and kind of where you're at. Is that, so, and how important is that to you? Is, is, is it to you? I mean, is, 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 is part of that to raise your profile so it's easier to get sponsorship or is it purely just because you're trying to grow the sport more kind of, um, I guess, altruistic kind of um, side side of it? Yeah, I think uh, social media is really important for sponsors. Um, you put in a pitch or something, one of the first things that they're going to do is kind of like look you up or see kind of what kind of presence you do have. Um, and I think just because of marketing and digital marketing and content for businesses these days is so important that that just shows that you could have content for them. Um, so I think that's important. But also just, yeah, raising the profile. I think it's cool um, having young kids and people kind of aspiring to play beach volleyball for them to kind of see that there is a pathway and that people in New Zealand are out there doing it, playing on the world tour, um, things like that. Just like, kind of like keep that connection. Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? There is the, actually, whilst there is a path to get there, there isn't really a high-performance pathway at the moment within beach volleyball it, it is it is very self uh motivation mo- motivated very self-discovery um very self-funded as, as we've talked about here there isn't really that pathway is there Do no there's there's not and i mean it's kind of you can kind of see that where you see that at the school level it's one of the biggest high school um tournament weeks we have like so many teams, biggest participation, and then kind of once you get out of that um, age when you've got a coach and someone organising things and telling you what to do, um, that next level there's a very big drop off um, in numbers, um, and that yeah that is 
because no one's kind of holding your hand and organising everything for you and telling you what time you have to be at training. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something that we're trying to grow and, and kind of find the reason why people would keep playing and kind of entice them to, um, yeah, keep keep playing for as long as possible. So how long has it taken you to, or, or when did you kind of sort of learn your body, learn about the nutrition side of things, learn how much rest versus how much training you needed? How did you? How long did that take you to to sort of, I guess, figure out how to be a professional athlete as opposed to being a yeah, very good well, volleyball a long player? Time, I, think. I think it's only in the last like five years that, in terms of um, like all of New Zealand, I think we're a bit behind the times in terms of like some of that kind of stuff. Like I remember when I was growing up, even if I was in teams or high performance groups, like a lot of the time we were like. Yeah, maybe yeah. Do a couple of stretches, but then we were jumping straight on the court and hitting balls and going straight into um, kind of gameplay and things like that. Um, and in the weight room and things like that. I think feel like um, when I first started, that kind of all of those different aspects weren't as important or highlighted as they are kind of now. Um, but it's been really good, like learning about that stuff and kind of incorporating it over time into my different programs and things like that um but i would say yeah the first kind of three to five years when i was playing even though i was in new zealand teams and things like that i wasn't i was focusing more on court than the off court stuff and probably yeah in the last five to seven years it's kind of turned more holistic into all those different parts and kind of the psychology and nutrition and and things outside of the game that have a massive impact on the court yeah, I, when I was talking with the, with the liver, she mentioned how that yeah she had been yeah, massive into weights and then found that actually uh, had to learn her body more and actually perhaps that wasn't the the, the right way to go. Um, a lot of the research also uh, is uh, this is something, something I found out when I talked to the women's coach from Hawkes Bay for the rugby team there that a lot of the research is done on men and then just said oh well, look it applies to everybody. Females also different. You've different um, hormones uh, etc. Uh, um, do you find do you have, have you also learned about how to uh, sort of join the month to sort of there's certain times you're better off doing cardio or better off doing weights and, and learning body from that point of view as well yeah that and that's something like that kind of research that's only kind of arisen um in the last yeah five years as well but yeah all of that stuff super interesting um i've kind of was always in the mentality of i just went as hard as i could all the time <laughs> that's how i kind of used to train because um, I really like flirting with that kind of line of overtraining but getting the most out of it with a second. Um, but I think recent, yeah, more so in the last five years of kind of, yeah, learning to listen to your body more and kind of for myself mentally in terms of um, just because you're not lifting as heavy this day or you're not, you don't feel like you're really fit today, that doesn't, that's not kind of an outcome of how your training's been going, that sometimes you can have a break, um, like important of rest days, or maybe just not being so hard on yourself and just saying, well, I'm going to try <laughs> like do something different next week and have a couple of days off, or kind of taking those mental breaks as well, um, as well as listening to your body. Yeah, and one of the things that amazed me, I did a, an article a few years back called um, A Week in the Life of a Rugby Player, uh, and, and talking about what they did kind of each day on a regular week and it, it ends up being 
something like four out of their seven days is basically recuperation and trying to recover. Um, and actually, uh, and actually, they only get a couple of days training in one game a week, and the rest of the time is actually getting massages, trying to get in the pool, um, and and that sort of thing. So yeah, rest is as important as uh, as activity quite often in these sort yeah. of things. Talking of these, I mean, they, the things like the rugby clubs and stuff have arrangements with play with sports massage um, and physiotherapists about getting taped up or getting massage. How do you cope with that when you're actually on the road? Have have, um, have you taken some massage courses or some taping courses to, so you can help each other out? Yeah, we're pretty good now. I did a massage course back in school. I don't know how, how good it was. But, um, yeah, um, even this lockdown has just made me realise how um, many skills I've kind of learned in terms of rehab and stuff. So, like, at the moment in my, in my lounge I've got, like, a trigger ball, I've got a massage gun, I've got a cupping set. I've got like ice packs, warming things, like yeah, there's a um, bunch of different sizes, rollers and and balls and everything you can kind of imagine which kind of um, keeps you going. But yeah, now when we travel, we, we're taking a lot of that stuff with us and kind of Shauna and I both know our little spots and it'll be like a warm up and she'll be like, yeah, can you just um, grab my um, the top of my shoulders and just squeeze them for 30 seconds or... I'll get her to kind of do different bits and pieces. But, um, yeah, definitely the more you learn, learn about your own body and what you can have you need, um, I think it's really important. Um, but also we rely on really good physios when we're in New Zealand for weekly release and things like that. Yeah, it's, it's amusing because talking with Sammy's like, yeah, it's a pretty much a low equipment um, uh, sport. You need a ball. Um, the, uh, the, the the bikini or, or, or the shorts and singlet, um, sunglasses, visor, that's pretty much it. And, and then then you go and say, well, actually, we also need the massage gun, the ball, the rollers. The, um, that's quite a lot of kit to travel around, especially when you haven't got a, a, an, air, an, air, a, an airline sponsor um, to, to, cover your, to cover your baggage allowance. The- yes. Um, so now our bags. Yeah, it used to be actually quite easy when I first started playing. It was like, yeah, bikinis and a couple of sarongs and bits and pieces. But yeah, now when I pack my bag, like half of my bag is actually full of like proteins and electrolytes and reha- that rehab equipment I talked about and bits and pieces. Um, it's quite good when you use most of the same stuff. Like when Shauna and I are packing for a trip, we'll be like, okay, you bring this, I'll bring this, you bring that. Um, to kind of make sure that you've got it covered and there's uh, places that you can buy things overseas and things like that but yeah along the years um, my equipment and kind of nutrition stuff has grown with every trip <laughs> so now it feels like I go come back with a half empty bag because you kind of used all the things you need and things like that. So interesting on that nutrition side of things do you find that certain stops or, or certain because there's, there's kind of an Asia tour that happens in the kind of sort of March, April, May kind of time, isn't there? And then, then there's the European tour that's sort of June, July, August. Uh, do you find it's easier or harder to get uh, the nutrition stuff in, in either of those two locations? So is, is Europe easier than, than Asia or Asia easier than, than Europe for that kind of stuff? Um, places in Asia, it can be very, very tough, actually. Um, that where we kind of go is sometimes like in China and Vietnam and things like that, that's where we're packing all those quick meals or protein bars and things like that that we kind of really have to call on them and um, it kind of just depends what region you go to there's a stop we go to in Vietnam which is right by the ocean and um, 
you go to your meals um, at the Karaoke and it's just like all seafood, which um, is a real delicacy over there. And they're thinking that they're putting on the best spread in the world for us. Um, but having like um, squid legs and oysters, like some, yeah, things when you look at the water, you're like, I'm, I'm not eating that. Um, and in China, yeah, it can be really hard if you're not playing, playing in some of those bigger cities to get, to feel like you're getting any nutrition at all. Um, and yeah, it kind of depends on how fussy of an eater you are, but yeah, sometimes you're having rice and soy sauce um, for dinner, which isn't ideal, so that's when all those other bits and pieces and supplements and things, you kind of really feel like you need those so you can um, keep performing. Yeah, and for those of you that uh, people haven't, haven't travelled around Southeast Asia, um, some of the things to avoid are things like actually the salads because they've been washed in water and uncooked. Um, and you think that's actually kind of what, how can lettuce be uh, dangerous as far as getting food poisoning or an upset stomach? Well, no, actually, that's one of the things you avoid. Um, I played at a social hockey tournament um, in Vietnam. And the, as you say, the, the, the dinner, one of the courses was, was, this, was this coconut and they'd hung raw prawns around the outside and then lit fire lighters. And, that, and they were cooked by paraffin, um, so, which was an interesting taste for the prawns. Um, but yeah, as you say, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different style of cuisine. Don't get me wrong, I love Asian cuisine, but yeah, some of the more local dishes can be a bit uh, bit harder to, to stomach. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're in two different mindsets. Like when we're building up to a tournament, um, what you're eating and things like that is so different than when you're just being a tourist um, and kind of don't have a build up. Like you'll see us and before a tournament, we're so fussy because we know about like, gut and what could happen if you're kind of branching out and then kind of like the tournament's over and we're going out and kind of trying the street food and, and different bits and pieces um, but yeah, building up to a tournament you just have to be so strict about what you're putting in your body and yeah, it's just the way it is sometimes in some of the countries yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, ours was a very social tournament, as in we drank more than we played. Uh, but uh, but even but uh, <laughs> nowhere near the kind of level you're talking about. But yeah, I, it's, uh, the, just some of the experiences uh, in those countries can be um, yeah are, are fantastic experiences, but not necessarily designed around high performance, um, as you as as you say. But then again, Europe is much more expensive. So is is do you find those European tours? Whilst you'd love to go on them, that you perhaps you can't get to as many. So can't stay as long as you'd like to? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Asia is definitely where we travel to the most, um, kind of it's our zone, and because it is really cheap to live and be there um, for food, accommodation, things like that. Um, so when we do go to tournaments in Asia, it is kind of weighing up kind of money and things like that. It is a lot further and accommodation costs and bits and pieces. So... Yeah, we definitely take that into consideration. Um, the good thing with New Zealand is we kind of are really good at hosting people. So then you feel like when you travel that you kind of have a lot of favours out there. So that's good when you go to those different places that you can call on someone that you've maybe put up in your house before or something like that. Yeah, it sounds like, like um, so Francesca Kerwin, who, who uh, I've also interviewed, if you want to go back and listen to that interview, you can do on the long talk. Um, but yeah, she's got a family home in Italy, which helps them when they go stay over there. It sounds like the um, the the, uh, the boys' teams have got a connection with Germany and a German coach, and so again, it looks like they've got a base there that they can they can they can they can use. 
if you've not got that, it does make it yeah, very difficult to spend that the two months or so that you need um, over there. Otherwise, yeah, it's not worth flying that far just for two weeks. Yeah. Um, and yeah. become tournaments. Um, cool. Uh, I, I think I've got through um, through most of my questions. Thank you so much for taking us through your journey. Have I missed out? Actually, Sam told us a story of uh, them learning about a tournament the next day and then driving overnight to get to that tournament and playing. Any kind of weird tour stories or, or kind of mishaps that, that, that you've experienced um, over the years? Hi, Billy. There was one that we all, the New Zealand team, got quite a laugh out of, including Sam, actually. Um, we played this event in Vietnam, um, and it was really hot, um, and we had just narrowly lost this game in the third set. So I was sitting on the stand, kind of being like, oh, I just want to get out of here, get back to the hotel, not in the best mood, um, just sitting watching a game. Um, and then someone approached me and kind of said, like, hey, can you do an interview with the local paper? And I thought to myself that I'll do the good thing here and kind of give back to the people that were kind of hosting the tournament for us. So I sat down with this guy for probably 15 minutes and I just kind of told him everything I thought he might want to hear about that I really love the city and that people were friendly. I love playing here. And uh, he was asking if, uh, about the food, if I liked the cuisine. I said that I didn't really like the spicy food, but I loved all the fresh fruit like the rock melons and watermelons and stuff that they were putting on at the hotel. Um, and so he got all this stuff, and then he got a really nice picture of me holding my volleyball in front of the, the sponsor sign. And I thought, okay, I've done a good job there. He'll have a good little article to put in the local paper. Then we went back to the hotel, and the next morning there was like a big um, players notice board in the foyer. And we walk out, and there's pins like the front page of this newspaper, and it's this photo of me like blowing up and it's not the one in front of the sponsors, it's just me watching this game. And I've just got my hands on my face and I'm just looking just horrible and just looking really sad. <laughs> Must have been after we lost. So I used that photo. And then the headline is, Tilly loves melons. <laughs> and that's what he'd gotten from the interview. I couldn't re read the rest, but yeah, he'd just taken that. Um, so the rest of that trip, it was just, yeah, Julia likes the melons. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny but yeah I don't know how we got that from what I've said but yeah thank you very much for that story um, thank you very much for your time people check out um, Julia's uh, Facebook page um, we will track, keep track of all of the tournaments she's playing in you can see her raising cups in the air um, and stuff with her teammate uh, and uh, obviously we'll get to help her, help her um, get more sponsors by having more, more exposure as well so thank you very much for your time and um, good training with Sam this afternoon. Um, everybody, please do like our Facebook page, New Zealand Sports Radio. And if you prefer to listen, then do check out um, New Zealand Sports Radio on Acast, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio and any other um, podcatchers. Um, and uh, keep an eye out for more interviews on The Long Talk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.